You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Lord Jesus, we set our attention on you, Lord. We love you, God. Lord, may our praise and our lives be a, a sweet incense unto you, God. Lord, we desire you above all else. Lord, let your presence continue to move in this place, God. Let every person here encounter you in such a real and tangible way. You're our desire, Lord. You are the king. Have your way in this time. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wasn't the Lord's presence just so wonderful today during our worship time? Our heart, our desire isn't just to have a good service where God shows up. But when you're here and you experience his presence, that that actually would draw you to want to go home and be in his presence at home too. That you wouldn't just try to have an encounter with God at church, but you would want to have daily encounters with him at your house. And everywhere you go and everything that you do in your life. At the Promise Church, our, our church is not built on a man, on a program, on a system, on a team, on an idea or a teaching. It's built on his presence. It's built on Jesus. And he is everything that we desire. He is everything we want. If he comes in a service like he did today and we don't have the offering, we don't have an announcement video, there's no preaching, we would be like, that was awesome. Perfect, exactly. Because he is the main event. He, he is what it's all about. You shouldn't go to church to hear a song or a sermon. You shouldn't go to, go to a church to hear a person speak. You, you, you shouldn't go to a church just to see your friends You should realize that when you gather with the Lord's saints, his presence is there, and he can transform you in a moment. You should want to be with him. And I I believe that the Lord is, you know, through the songs we sang today and through all the different things that Pastor Luke shared, the Lord is inviting us into that place again of simplicity, into that place of a singleness of heart and focus where you simply are like, Jesus, you're all I want. You're all I need. What actually caused the original sin to happen in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve was they lost sight of that simplicity with God, and they thought they needed more than what they already had. They had everything. They walked with God face to face in the garden. They, they had all of the beauty of the Garden of Eden and all of the provision of the, of the plants and the trees there. They had the tree of life. They, they had no hindrance, no sin, no nothing. And, and the devil deceived them to think that they needed more, that God was holding out on them when really everything that they had or everything that they needed, they already had. And really that choice to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that choice to eat of that forbidden fruit was really mankind saying, God, I want to go my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to try it my own way. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, oh, Lord, help me. There's a way that seems right to a man but in the end, it leads to destruction. There's a way that could seem right to us. We could think that we're going the right direction, the right way, but really it will lead to destruction. There are not many roads that lead to the same place. All those other roads lead to destruction. There's only one way, and it's Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And if we walk with him, we are walking in his way. But when we choose to try to do it in our own strength and try to go our own way, we walk essentially away from him and we go down roads that lead to destruction. The word I had for us this morning or this afternoon is really 
quite simple of a word, really. It's the idea of of having a knowledge of God versus really knowing him. And I believe that there's a lot of people, and I don't believe this word is just for us as the Promise Church, but it's for the whole area of Longview and Kelso. There's a lot of people who know a lot about God, but really don't know him. And there's a lot of people who know him, and God is inviting us to go deeper. You can know him, and yet can become complacent, you can become casual and that the hunger and the humility and the pursuit of him begins to wane. And God is inviting us to go deeper in him, to really cry out for more of him. One of my favorite Bible characters is Moses. And Moses had incredible moments and encounters with God. He saw a burning bush that did not burn up and heard the voice of God audibly. And he saw a staff turn into a snake. And he, he saw a Red Sea part and a whole nation of over a million people walk across on dry ground. And all these amazing things. But to me, one of the most amazing things said about Moses that was said about him and that God even said about him was that God spoke face to face with Moses as a man speaks to a friend. And here Moses has all these incredible encounters, all these incredible moments and these, these times in the presence of the Lord. And there was a moment where he was interceding for the nation of Israel that God wouldn't just send them into the promised land without his presence. He was pleading that the presence of God would go with them when they went into the promised land. And Moses' prayer to God was, teach me your ways that I might know you. Here he is, this amazing man of God who talked to God face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And yet his prayer, his cry unto God, his desperation and hunger was, teach me your ways that I may know you. This is the man who went on the mountain and saw God in this cloud of glory and received the Ten Commandments and really knew, the, the, in a sense, the word of God in that way. And yet his cry was still, teach me your ways, that I may know you. May we never get too familiar, too comfortable, too casual in our walk with God, where we think that we know when there's so much more. When we think that we know and we just kind of let our guard down and, okay, I think I'm good. Everything seems to be good in my life right now. And I, I don't think I need to get up so early tomorrow and spend time with God. You know. You see, the problem with American Christianese and Christianity in our Western world is we've made it about us. God never invited us into a relationship with him that was you-centered. <laughs> it was meant to be about him. And so often... You know, we, we will have the mindset of, God, just bless what I'm doing. Bless me on my way. God, as long as you keep me happy and, and make me happy, Lord, I, I will continue to follow you. And we essentially have this transactional type of relationship with God. God, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. Or if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. That is not what the kind of relationship God wants us to have with him. He is inviting us to go so much deeper to know him in a real and tangible way. A lot of times we seek God and we pursue him in crisis, in our, in our moments of weakness and our life, is our life is crumbling and things going on around us are, are in chaos and all kinds of crazy things are happening maybe in our world. And we begin to seek God and ask him to come through for us. And then all of a sudden, what we were praying for, we, we receive. And then the pursuit wanes. Because God was never the treasure. You see, God was always meant to be the treasure, the prize. He, he was meant to be what you wanted more than anything else. And if you have him, you have everything. But so often we, we think that we need other things. We have Jesus and. No, no, there's, there should be no and. We don't need the ands anymore. You, you have everything in him. You have all that you need in him. 
Even with fasting, you know, we're in this time of prayer and fasting and we can easily, you know, do it in this place. Okay, God, I'll do it if you do this for me. No, God, I'm doing it because I love you and I want you and I want to know you more. And so, and so often we, we, we just, we, we, we don't actually want the Lord above everything else. We, we, we want other things and him on the side. He, he was not meant to be the side dish or the appetizer. There, there is no great other thing on the other end of the rainbow. He is it. He, he is the prize. He, he is life itself. He is everything that you would need. And we can so easily just get distracted with the pressures and the things of the world and all the different things going on around us and and lose sight of what's most important. And I believe today is a reminder to, to keep everything in that simple place, to keep everything in that place of wanting to know Jesus above everything else. Jesus said this, he said John seven in John 17, 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you in a sense, speaking of the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ himself, whom you have sent. We, we aren't, uh, knowing Jesus is eternal life. We don't have to wait to die to have eternal life. We don't, we don't have to wait until the end of our lives to begin to experience the fullness of life. We get to actually experience that right away as soon as we begin to know the Lord. When we, when we live a life of pursuit to know him, Eternal life can fill our being fully and completely. Again, we can know a lot of information, know a lot about. It's like someone who read the back of a book, of, of the bio of the author of a book, and they think that they know the person who wrote it when they've never met the person. A lot of people have read God's bio and don't know him. A lot of people have read the scriptures and memorized the scriptures and grew up in church and went to Sunday school and all these different things, but don't actually know the one that the the scriptures all point to. Jesus even rebuked the Pharisees where he said, you think that you have eternal life because you studied the scriptures. These scriptures point to or speak of me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't go to the scriptures. We, we must come to the, this book every single day for our daily bread. We must receive nourishment from the word of God, from, from the Lord every single day. But the, Jesus himself is the word. And he is the word made flesh. And he came and he walked on this earth among us. And Jesus says, you must come to me to have life. You see, if we want to know him and not just know about him, there must be a continual coming to him, where every single day we want to come to him on our good days, on our bad days. It doesn't matter how things are going. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. God, I need you all the time. I need you. I'm nothing without you, God. I am dependent upon you. That kind of cry, that kind of pursuit will cause Daily encounters to happen in your life, which will cause you to know the Lord in a deeper way. And I really believe that there's an invitation from God today for more hunger for him. For more hunger to want to be with him, hunger to pursue him, hunger for him. But that that in order to have a hunger, there, there must be something where you realize you need him. You know, I, when, I, when I eat, oh, this is a really bad time to talk about eating with fasting happening. But when I eat, it's because I'm hungry. There, there's an emptiness, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. When, when there's an emptiness of soul, when there's an emptiness in your life where you recognize your need of God every single day, there will be a hunger that stirs in you to go after him. I want to read a scripture for you that we're going to kind of dive into and look at about knowing God. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version because it just kind of brings all kinds of great thoughts in it together. 
helps explain it really well. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says this. Now about food sacrifice to idols, and you're probably like, where is he going with this? Well, hang in there. We know that we all have knowledge concerning this. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant. Isn't that nice? We've all know that know-it-all person that thinks they know everything, and we would agree with that statement. But love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. If anyone imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matters without love, he has yet not know, or he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God with awe-filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude, he is known by him as his very own and is greatly loved. Isn't that just a beautiful passage? I want to read verse 3 one more time. If anyone loves God with awe-filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude, he is known by him or God as his very own. And is greatly loved. Here in this passage, we, we see the word knowing or know or knowledge used multiple times. Okay? And in our English language, it looks exactly the same. It's the same word used multiple ways or multiple times. But in the original language, in the Greek of the New Testament, there's two different words here and two different main words used throughout the majority of the New Testament for the word know. Okay? The first one for know which has the idea of knowledge behind it, is the word oida. It, has, it means a complete knowledge, a finished understanding. You are, in a sense, the knowledgeable expert on a subject matter because you know it. Okay? The other word is gnoska, which means an ongoing or unending revelation, which means you know, but you realize there's so much more to know. And here, Paul, at the very end of verse 3, when he says, he, the person who loves God, is known, that is that word, gnoska. And most of the time when Paul would talk about knowing the Lord, when he would write, he used that word, that unending, ongoing revelation, which means no matter how much we, we think that we know God, there is always more. There's always more of himself that he wants to reveal to us. There's always more of his heart that he, he wants to show us. There's more of his ways that he, he wants to reveal to us. He wants to show us the secrets of his heart. There's always more in that kind of knowing. But when we think that we know the first kind, a complete understanding, we shut ourselves down, close ourselves off from realizing that there's more. And we think we're good. So it's amazing here how it says the God knows the person who loves him, which shows me that knowing God is greatly connected to loving him. And so therefore, when we love him, it actually opens our heart to him for him to know us. You might think, well, God should know everything about me. He created me, right? Absolutely, you are correct. He does know everything about you. He, he created you, informed you. You're wonderfully made. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Uh, you were not a mistake, a coincidence, an accident. He, he planned and predestined your birth and celebrated on the day you arrived here on earth. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows everything about your life. But he is simply in a place of loving you and honoring your freedom of choice and waiting for you to reveal your heart to him. There must be a cry in us that says, search me, O God, and know me. Know me. Open, I open my heart to you, God. Come and see everything inside of me, God. Here's, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm going through. I need your help. And you, you share your heart with him as if you would share your heart to your best friend. And, and you would just relate to him in, in that way. That is the kind of knowing he is looking for with us because we can know a lot about him and he not know us 
And at the end of the day, that's what's gonna matter. In Matthew 7, there's one of, this, one of the most scary passages of scripture in the Bible where it says, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. And it said on that day, there'll be many who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and heal the sick in your name and prophesy in your name? And he'll, he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. I never knew you. You never opened up your heart to me to allow a, an interaction of relationship of an interknowing, deep connection to take place. You just applied my word to your life like, like uh, an instruction manual. You just looked at my word as like a genie in the bottle, and my word will never return void. So when you pray in my name, things will happen, but you didn't know me. No matter how much activity you have, you can have lots of great activity and not know me. We've all, we've all been there, right, where, you know, we, we could interact with somebody here in a you know public gathering for a bit we meet them and talk to them for a few minutes and you know we we and get to know them just a little bit but that then all of a sudden it goes a lot deeper when you go out to a coffee or a lunch with them and you sit for a couple hours and have a conversation and you get to hear their story a little bit more you get to hear their heart a little bit more you get to know them but there, there's a whole deeper side of knowing if all of a sudden that person became your roommate right the curtain is pulled back, and who you really are and who they really are will show. God actually wants to live with us. He actually wants to dwell with us. He actually wants us to live with him. And so then he, he would reveal himself to us, and we would reveal ourselves to him. This is what he's intended from the beginning. And God is looking for those who will love him. God is looking for those who will, who will love him. And we, we read what that looks like, that awe-filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude. And I just want to go into each one of these just a little bit further, a little bit deeper. Knowing God means to love him. And loving him looks like something. As Pastor Luke said so well at the end of our worship time, you, you can't say you love God and not have the evidence to back it up. There should be something that shows that love for him. You should want to spend time with him daily when you're in love with him. There should be a freedom in your life, freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from the things of this world because you've renounced the world and all you want is Jesus when you know him. There should be health in our homes. There should be, so there should be good relationships in our, in our marriages and with our children when we know him. Because our whole life bleeds out, oozes out his love and his presence. And we recognize that though he invites us to know him, there's always so much more about him to know. Because a deep, intimate knowing can't be fully comprehended. But it's a pursuit to know him more. It's following him deeper into mystery. My wife and I have been married over 16 years. And when I think I have her figured out, she throws me a curveball. There's always more of her that I need to know. There's always more of the Lord. He invites us into this mystery. And he will, he's looking for those that will love him. And loving him opens us up to knowing him more and more. And as we know him, we'll love him more. It's just this amazing cycle that happens here. And so what does God look, look for in people to love him? He's looking for awe-filled reverence. Awe-filled reverence. What does that mean? Essentially what that means is the fear of the Lord. If you've been in church a long time, you've heard that phrase said multiple times, the fear of the Lord. A lot of times we'll say, we need more of the fear of the Lord. And there's been a lot of misunderstanding and confusion of what that means. A lot of times people think, wait a minute, am I supposed to be actually afraid of God? Am I actually supposed to be freaked out by him? Well, you should probably stand before him and trembling because of how powerful and big he is. But God's heart isn't for us to actually be freaked out by him and afraid of him. He wants us to have an awareness of his presence. And one of the best ways I could describe 
the fear of the Lord is a continual awareness of God's presence where you hold him in awe and wonder and esteem and you want to honor him with your life and all that you do. And so when you live that way, recognizing who he is, it should produce the fear of the Lord in you. It'd be like this. If, if we were all gathered together, and I know this person has passed away, but let's say Billy Graham walks into the room, the great evangelist Billy Graham. Let's say this is before he passed away, okay? Just because all of you are like, wait, he's dead. How is that supposed to work? God raised him from the dead? And No, okay, just go back in time. Billy Graham walks into the room. We would all be like, wow, Billy Graham is here. This is amazing. This is awesome. Our attention would be towards him. We'd want to greet him and meet him. We would want to make sure he's comfortable. He has everything he needs. We, we would want to talk to him. We would be maybe even talking to somebody else. I'd be talking to Luke, but thinking, what's Billy doing right now? Because I'd be aware of him. How much more so when we are aware of God? How much more so should we be being aware of the presence of God. It'd be like you wake up tomorrow morning and Jesus is sitting at the foot of your bed and he says, hey, I want to spend the day with you. Let's go hang out. And all of a sudden you go through the first couple hours of your day and amazing miracles are taking place. You, you just fed the whole homeless camp in Longview by multiplying a loaf of bread and you, you uh, saw people healed and delivered of demons and you walked across Lake Sacagawea without even realizing it and you just had all these amazing things happening in your day and you wouldn't be like at 1230. Wow, Jesus, this is, this is so great. I've had such a great time. Thank you so much for today. You know, it's 1230. I need to go do my human thing over here and I need to go sin. No, you wouldn't do that because you'd be so caught up, so enamored, so aware of Jesus walking with you every single moment of that day that you wouldn't even think about going and doing something sinful. That's the life we're called to live in him, walking with his presence every single day, aware of him. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And now the fear of the Lord is developed from a place of humility of wanting to know the Lord. In Psalms 25, David, who was another amazing man of God, who had another amazing life in the presence of God, and yet, and he was called a man after God's own heart, but yet he still cried out to God to know more of him. In Psalms 25, verse 4, it says, Show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths. You see, God's ways reveal his nature. He, they reveal his heart. And if you know his ways, you know his heart. You, you don't just know what he can do or what he has done or what he does. You know why he does it because you know his heart. David's cry, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right, and teaches them his way. See, there, there is a teaching that the Lord takes us on. He will teach us his ways when we humble ourselves before him and we want him. We recognize that what we have is not working. Us by ourselves isn't enough. We need him. And we humble ourselves in, the, in that posture of the fear of the Lord. And he teaches us his way. So we walk with him. Psalms 25, verse 12, says, Who then are those who fear the Lord? God will instruct them in the ways they should choose. You have questions in your life, you want to know what direction to go? He will teach you and he will instruct you on what direction to go when you have that fear of the Lord, that reverence and awe of him. They will spend their days, those who fear the Lord, they will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Did you see that here where God says that he will confide or he will essentially share his secrets with those who walk in the fear of the Lord? Those who have a, an awe-filled reverence of him, he will share and reveal his heart. He will share his secrets of his heart to them. He will speak to them and they will receive his voice and receive what he is saying. And then if we have that posture of our heart, as it says in verse 15, my eyes are ever on the Lord. Then as we posture our heart in that place of beholding him and keeping our attention and our awareness on him, 
then as we're looking at him, it's like he protects our steps from falling into any of the enemy's traps. He will keep our feet from the snares of the enemy as our eyes are fixed on him. Psalms 147, 11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him. He delights. What is, what is God like? What gets God excited? Those who have an awe-filled reverence of him. Those who are aware of his presence. Those who walk in the fear of the Lord. He is delighted by them. We should want to be what God likes. We should want to know what God likes and want to walk in that. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's a really good idea. And when we're walking in God's way, walking with him, then we will not go off in our own areas and our own desires. Instead, we will live a life of surrender. Because again, this, this true gospel is a life of saying, not my way, Lord, but your way. I surrender to you. I will deny myself and I will turn and follow you. And so often we again make it all about us and our own wants and our own needs. And Jesus just come help me to, to live a good life when God has so much more in store for you. There's a scripture in Psalms, Psalms 37 that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so many times we will take that scripture and we will say, Okay, God, I delight myself in you so that you can give me my desires. Or, Okay, God, here's my desires. So can you bring them to me and I'll delight myself in you. When really when you truly delight yourself in the Lord, he becomes your desire. He's your delight and your desire. And all of a sudden, your desires completely shift and change to only wanting him. And then everything else that he brings you, any other blessing, any other provision, is simply just a place of like, wow, God, you're so great. You're so good and faithful. Thank you, God. But Lord, I simply just want you. And when we walk in his way, knowing his heart, knowing his nature, when we walk in the fear of the Lord and aware of his presence, daily encounters will happen. We will want to spend time with the Lord daily, and we will experience him daily, just as you could experience him here in this moment. The next part of what it looks like to love God is obedience. Obedience. And if you walk in the fear of the Lord, you walk in awareness of him, you walk in an awe-filled reverence, recognizing that he is God and you are not, he is the king, he is the Lord, and his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, so you don't have to have it all figured out. But when he says something to you, you go, yes, sir, I will do it. Amen. There's an obedience that will take place in your life when you are living in the fear of the Lord. When you love him, you'll want to obey him because you don't want to hurt his heart. John 14, Jesus said, John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home or our abode, our dwelling with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. See, Jesus does want our confession of faith, but he also wants that to, to be seen in action through our obedience. Knowing his word, obeying his word, walking in his ways of righteousness and holiness, and also living out the, the first and greatest commandment, which is to love him. We might think there's all these commands that we have to follow, and we think that now Christianity becomes about a list of do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs and rules and regulations and all these different things. That's not what God invited us into. He invited us into a place of knowing him. It talks about in Romans 13, when we love, we will obey the commandments of God. When we love him first and most in our lives, we love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we will want to obey his commands. We won't want to hurt him. And then we, in our love for him, his heart will become our heart, and now we will love others, and we will love others as we love ourselves. In 1 John 2, it says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. 
Here it is again said a little bit differently, but notice the two words know again here. We know that we have come to know him when we obey his commands. God is looking for your yes. He's looking for a surrendered life that will posture itself before him and say, God, whatever you want it to look like, I'm yours. God, I, I don't, I'm not going to worry about what you could ask of me because, God, you are more valuable than any cost I could pay. The last one is gratitude. Gratitude. When you love the Lord, there should be a constant place of thankfulness and gratitude in your life. If you're a complainer, if you are negative and often think about what's going wrong and, and you dwell in this troubled life of things going wrong in your life and you're not thankful, it's not expressing love to the Lord. Because God actually invites us into his presence when we're thankful. He says, enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. You want to enter into the presence of the Lord? Begin to express thankfulness to him and begin to worship him. When we're in gratitude, all of a sudden, we, we will recognize that he is our source for all things. It didn't come from us. He, he is everything. And we will praise him and worship him for all that he's done for us. And then our mind shifts from what we don't have or our mind shifts from what's not going well to all that he has done well. Psalms 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Why should you give God thanks? Because he's good. Because his love endures forever. You don't need much more beyond that. If you've tasted of his goodness, if you've experienced his love, you know what I'm talking about, and it should stir up inside of you a thankfulness. We shouldn't have to prime the pump on a Sunday morning for you to want to worship God because you should come in so grateful and thankful for all that God has done for you throughout your week, and you just want to explode in praise for his goodness, for his love. And I really believe, church, that God is inviting us into that place again of wanting to know him more. Not settling, not becoming complacent. Even though we might think things are going well in my walk with the Lord, there is an ongoing, continual, unending revelation of himself that he wants to reveal to you. He's inviting you to go deeper. And it starts in that place of simplicity that says, Jesus, you're my everything and you're all I want. You're all I need. It's that place that Mary found herself at the feet of Jesus where Martha is accusing her of not helping her in the kitchen to prepare a meal for Jesus. And, and Jesus says about Mary, she has chosen the one thing needed, the one thing necessary, and it will not be taken from her. David cried out, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. There's got to be that one thing mindset, that one thing heart, that cry of realizing that he is enough. Will you stand with me? And I recognize even in this place and in this moment, there, there could be people here that you're here and maybe don't even know Jesus. You don't even know the Jesus I'm talking to you about right now. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. There's a lot of people who've been in church many years and don't know God. You could know a lot of the Bible and not know God. But there's no coincidence that you're here today. I, we don't believe in chance or coincidence. God brought you here today for you to hear him, to, for you to experience his love and his presence, and for him to invite you into a journey of knowing him. And so if you're here today, I want to just give you an opportunity to respond to this word and to be, take the first step in a journey of relationship that says, God, I don't want to live my life my own way anymore. I don't want to go my own way 
try to do it on my own. I need you. I choose to have you be the leader of my life. I yield and surrender to you. And I ask that you would come and forgive me my sin, that you would come and be my Lord and Savior, and I choose to follow after you. That first step ushers you into a place of having a relationship with God. And then the amazing journey begins of being able to spend time with him every single day. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to him and know him, just ask that you'd raise your hand. We'd just love to pray with you. Is there anyone here? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone want to know Jesus? Okay. All right, I want to do this. If I could have the worship team just come on up. They're going to lead us into a song in just a moment. But church, my my heart in sharing this message with you isn't just to try to preach a good message. My, My heart in sharing this to you is to whet your appetite that a hunger would stir inside of you to want to know Jesus more. That something would begin to stir in your life and in your heart that says, God, I got to spend time with you every single day. Lord, I I want, yesterday was great. God, last year was awesome. God, you did so many great things in my life these past few weeks. But Lord, I know that you have more. And I want to know you more. And then that cry would stir up inside of you that says, teach me your ways, God, that I might know you. Teach me your ways, God that I might know you. Let, let that stir in your heart tonight, today and into tonight and into this week and to the rest of this year, God, that you would have a, a humble, humbleness and a humility and a hunger that says, God, I got to have you. That simplicity of heart that recognizes that he is everything and he's enough. So just right now, as the worship team is about to lead us in a song, I just ask that you would begin to share, to re- Express your own heart. Open up your, your, your mouth. Begin to express your, 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 your heart to the Lord. Just tell him you love him. Begin to tell him that you want more. Begin to express hunger to the Lord. Jesus, we long for you. Just begin to worship him. Begin to give him thanks. God, you're so good. Lord, we, we declare that you are our delight. You are our desire. Lord, there is no one like you. There is no one that compares to you. You are God, and besides you, there is no other. And Lord, we long for more of you. God, let a hunger arise in your people. Lord, that we would desire you above all else. God, that repentance would fall on us. Lord, that we would not hold on to idols. We would not hold on to the traps and things of the world. God, we would not look to other things to try to satisfy us. But God, we would only look to you. God, that, that that heart cry of Second Chronicles 7 would be our heart cry, Lord God, that we would, we would be your people called by your name, that would humble ourselves and we would pray and seek your face. And Lord, that we would turn from wicked ways, knowing as we do that, God, you're going to hear from heaven and you're going to come and heal our land. God, come heal this land. God, let a true intimacy, a true deep connection, a longing, a true knowing of you stir in Longview and Kelso. God, stir a hunger in this, these cities, oh God, to really know you, not know about you, not go through religious routines and rituals. God, not just check the boxes of going to church and doing the right things, but God, that there a hunger arise in your people, oh God, to know you. Lord, we long for you. You're so good. Come on, church, let's just begin to worship him as the worship team continues to lead us.